Hi guys, welcome to the Irish Balance Podcast, episode 7, which is kind of crazy that we're on episode 7 already. So um, if you guys haven't listened to the podcast yet, or this is the first episode you're listening to, I'll give you a little bit of an introduction. My name is Kira. I'm an Irish girl um, and qualified medical doctor as well as health and wellness blogger and public health advocate. I'm really passionate about preventative medicine, particularly how our lifestyles affect our health through the food we eat, how we exercise and how we manage our stress, our sleep and our social well-being. After completing my undergraduate medical degree, I worked for three years in hospital medicine and at the point of specialisation decided to pursue public health. So I'm currently doing a one year full time master's in public health and nutrition in Dublin. And if you follow my blog or follow me on social media, you'll know that I'm very passionate about health promotion. And through my blog, social media and now podcast, I want to show you guys that we can empower ourselves to live happy, healthy lifestyles full of balance without any radical changes, but simple, sustainable changes instead. And I really hope you guys are loving my blog, my social media and the podcast now as much as I am loving creating all of it. I hope you guys are enjoying this first series of my podcast. As I've said before, it was my number one 2019 goal, and I am really, really glad that I took the step to get onto the audio platform. Anyone who's listening who's a friend of mine or my family will know that I do love a good chat, so it feels very natural to be having a chat with all of you guys, as well as through the writing that I do for my blog and sharing on my social media. So without further ado, let's get on to today's episode. So today we're going to talk about a topic that's very close to my heart. It is going to be all about stress, stress management and my journey with mindfulness and meditation, which I hope will help you guys either start yours or continue yours. In this podcast episode, I'm going to talk about stress, my journey with stress and when I decided that I needed to start managing my stress a bit better and how I developed a bit of a stress toolkit for myself. And importantly, I'm going to share with you guys the key parts of that toolkit so that you can apply it to your own lives. So without further ado, let's get going. Hands up who's felt a little bit stressed out before. I'm sure that's going to be all of you listening to this and me included. And if not, fair play to you. One of my favorite quotes about stress goes something like this. Living a stress-free life is not a reasonable goal. The goal is to deal with it actively and effectively. And I really agree with this. So first of all, I always like to start with the definition. So how do we define stress? Well, there's a lot of different ways we can do this. And that reflects a really key point about stress. It's going to affect each of us in a really unique way. And it will mean something a little bit different to everyone. My favorite definition, or at least the one that resonates the most with how I perceive stress in my own life, is this. A condition or feeling experienced when a person perceives that demands exceed the personal and social resources that the individual can mobilize. It's pretty comprehensive and pretty logical. I think you'd agree. Recently, two things happened in my life that made me reflect on the concept of stress. And when I say recently, I refer to kind of the journey over the past year. So 2018. Late last year, I was absolutely delighted to be asked to give a talk on stress and mindfulness for healthcare students at Trinity College Dublin. And it really was such a humbling and exciting experience talking to such a lovely range of student physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech and language therapists and others about my experience of stress as a doctor and importantly sharing with them tips on how to manage stress in our busy days at work, placement and at home. As a side note, I also gave a talk on 
healthy habits in the workplace, including on stress, to the A&E department at my hospital in August, which was a really amazing experience too and made me really appreciate how prevalent stress is in the workplace, particularly in hospital settings. The second thing that happened was that I had a really fascinating lecture on stress as part of my health psychology module at college, which was one of my favourite modules in semester one, I have to say. I had an assignment on the topic of stress too, a big long essay, which actually, because I'm so interested in this area, really was nothing but motivation to really dive into the research and try and share that learning with you guys. Okay, so definitions done. What causes us to feel stressed? Well, there's kind of two big things the way I see it. Number one, the event, situation or thing that we perceive to be what's called a stressor. Now, this will differ for everyone. It might be an exam, a deadline at work, a financial concern, an area of conflict in our lives, a fight we've had with our boyfriend or girlfriend or parent or sibling. Lots of different examples. It might be a particularly challenging day at work. In the healthcare setting, it might be a particularly difficult patient situation. Number two, the second thing that affects how we feel stressed or why we feel stressed is how we perceive or appraise that stressor. To me, this is what plays the big role in our experience of stress as individuals. Perception is pretty much, for me anyway, a result of how we view it, the stressor I mean, combined with how we view our internal resources to manage that stress effectively. For example, how you view an exam coming up or a work deadline is going to be influenced by how you view your ability to conquer that stress. And as I'm sure you can appreciate, resources you have like time, knowledge and your ability all factor in here. So I like to think of it like this. The stress is there, the reaction that we have results and this equals our experience of the whole thing and can lead to us feeling pretty stressed out. So the way I like to think of it is we might not be able to control the stressor itself happening, but we can control our reaction. And that's really key to recognize and apply to your own life because it means you can influence the experience of that stressor that you have, hopefully for the better. So as you guys know, I'm a doctor. Um, I'm really interested in public health too. So the question I also had was, why is stress such a big deal then? Aside from the obvious reasons that it's not particularly pleasant to have going on in your life. Well, we're all pretty familiar with the fight or flight model of stress, that adrenaline rush, the fast heart rate, muscle tension, sweating, the get ready to run from the bear chasing you feeling. That's our acute, i.e. short term stress response, and it's designed for that purpose only, the short term. However, what we seem to be experiencing in modern society is the widespread or what's sometimes called epidemic issue of chronic stress and the associations we've seen between chronic stress and its negative effects on our physical and mental health are enough to motivate me to want to optimise my own stress management and help you do the same for yours. Chronic stress has been linked to increased risk of lots of different non-communicable diseases, and those are the chronic diseases that cause a huge burden on our healthcare worldwide. Things like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, contributing towards unhealthy lifestyle behaviours such as increased alcohol intake, smoking, poor dietary choices, even poor immune function. Chronic stress has also been associated with poor mental health too. There is a lot of past and ongoing research in this whole area looking into how stress affects our bodies in this context examining what's called our sympathetic nervous system, which is what gives us that fight or flight response, the role of cortisol, our stress hormone, and many other factors. Science aside, I think it's pretty obvious that feeling stress is not a nice feeling and every single one of us, therefore, would be in favour of being the boss of our own stress. And so this brings me to the good stuff, stress management. So I don't pretend to be an expert. 
what I'm going to share with you guys is what I keep in my stress toolkit. These are all tips based on my own personal experience, various things that I've tried over the past year or so and have resulted in a blend of what's worked for me. So the key thing here is that although I'm going to share a wide range of options with you is that you really do have to find what works for your life and the stresses you face. Our modern world, so full of incredible technology, has increased the pace at which we do everything exponentially and it isn't going to stop. As I mentioned in my digital detox post, we're always on, mostly via the little computers we carry in the form of our smartphones, which many of us start and end our days with. Therefore, we're constantly in this reactive state as a result, getting updates, messages, emails, notifications. Let me ask you this, when do we switch off? This constant reactivity often only adds fuel to a stress fire. So I think it's really important to learn how you can control your own unique response to the world around you and the stresses it might pose. So let's have a look at how you can do that. So my number one tip is to try starting a stress diary. Now, before you roll your eyes at the idea of another diary, hear me out. If you really don't know where to start with stress, keeping a stress diary to keep a track of your pattern of response to life and the stress it throws at you is a really great place to start. How you use it is by jotting down in the diary whenever a particular thing makes you feel stressed, which you might feel through the physical symptoms I've described or through more psychological feelings, things like feeling anxious or helpless or worried about things. You can use your diary to track your pattern over a week, for example, just to start. You might even notice little things, for example, missing the bus is a trigger for you, as well as the big stuff like the work deadline and what makes you react, sometimes maybe out of proportion to what the stress might be. Pattern recognition allows us to tune into our body and mind and begin to recognize where we might be able to make some changes. Okay, number two. Number two is called bringing it back to the breath. Ah, breathing. So for years, I don't know about you guys, but I was always told to take 10 deep breaths in and out, in through the nose and out through the mouth when I felt stressed. But to be honest, I don't think I ever really started to use that breathing technique for stress management until 2018. But actually, there's a lot of science to back up breathing exercises for stress management. And I'm a convert, a big fan. I'm not a trained expert in them, but I'm going to tell you about two that I find particularly useful and use in my own life. The first is box breathing and the second is four, seven, eight breathing. So box breathing began as a Navy SEAL technique, but I think it's fantastic and really generalizable to everyone. I even got the group at my talk in Trinity to do it. So the way you do it is picture a square box in your mind, inhale for four seconds, hold that breath for four seconds, exhale out over four seconds and hold your breath out for four seconds and repeat as many times as you need until you're feeling a little bit more zen. 478 breathing is kind of similar. It's where you inhale for four seconds, hold for seven and exhale for eight. That's the best bit because it seems quite long, but actually by the end of that long exhale, you feel pretty awesome. So if all else fails in a stressful situation, guys, and you can't remember any techniques and you don't want to do them, just remember to do this. Deepen your inhale, lengthen your exhale and repeat maybe 10 times. Okay, number three. This really wouldn't be a stress episode of a podcast without me talking about mindfulness and meditation. So if you haven't heard of mindfulness before, it was defined by the founder of mindfulness-based stress reduction, John Kabat-Zinn, as paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. I really love that definition because it's really simple, it's easy to understand and easy to relate to your own life. Meditation is a bit different but related and a definition I found which I quite like is that it's a practice where an individual uses a technique 
such as focusing their mind on a particular object, thought or activity to achieve a mentally clear and emotionally calm state. So they aren't the same thing. I see mindfulness as being a little bit simpler. And to me, it's really just about being present in the present moment, being aware of the thoughts you're having in that moment of what's going on around you. And as John Kabat-Zinn said, not judging it. So how did I get started with mindfulness and meditation? Well, what's really funny is if two years ago you told me that I'd be meditating every day, I would have laughed in your face and said that you were crazy. Um, but joke's on me. <laughs> so I've written about my journey with mindfulness and meditation on my blog previously. Um, I started using the Calm app in 2018 after a particularly difficult set of night shifts in a really difficult flu season. Um when I was a senior house officer in January 2018. I started using the app to do guided meditation for 10 minutes a day, so just doing the daily cam, and I now subscribe to the app for a very small cost um, because it's been a total game changer for me. It taught me to engage with my breath and made me a much more mindful person day to day. I think maybe after about three weeks is when I really started to notice that my stress management, which had been previously, I think, non-existent or at least poorly managed by myself, was so much better. I was so much less reactive. And in general, I'm just really glad that I did take the step to try CAM. I had tried the app called Headspace and it wasn't for me. And I know a lot of people have found benefit with it. So I think it's important to remember that in the first place, apps aren't for everyone. But I do think they're a great place to start if you aren't sure how or where to begin with mindfulness and meditation. It really worked for me and it might just be the kickstart you need to get you going. And it's worth trying a couple of different apps, trying the free trials and seeing what works for you. I particularly like Cam because there's lots of different sections to the app. They have sleep stories with one by Matthew McConaughey, which is 34 minutes long and it is absolutely glorious. Highly recommend subscribing purely for that. But jokes aside, you can play nature sounds on it. They've even added a Cam movement section with some gentle yoga sequences. Um, it's a really fantastic app. And like I said, I do the daily cam, which is a 10 minute guided meditation on lots of different themes, things like gratitude, acceptance, resolving conflict, adopting good habits. Anyway, I'll stop ranting about cam. I'm not even sponsored, I swear. I just really like that app. But what I will say is this, like maybe three weeks after using it, I noticed a difference. I was a better listener, less reactive, less affected by things that really would have stressed me out previously and overall much more productive and efficient in my response as a doctor. I also noticed outside of work, I was really noticing and appreciating the beauty of the world around me instead of rushing from one place to the next. So here's a couple of simple ways I like to make my day mindful. First of all, do you like coffee or like tea? Most of us like one or the other. So a mindful moment for me every single day is my morning coffee. I don't rush it. I don't chug it. I don't knock it back on my way to college or on my way to the library or to work. I sit down, I sip it, I take it in and I take in the flavor, savor it, appreciate it, appreciate my surroundings. And I always give a little smile. That can take five minutes. It can take three minutes if you're really chugging that hot coffee or it can be 10 minutes, but it is a really simple way to be mindful. My second one is if you're on a commute to work or college, whether you're walking on the train or the bus or driving, well, maybe not driving because you kind of have to pay attention if you're driving, but on your commute next time, look up, look up from your phone. I don't know if anyone's been on public transport recently, but everyone's head is down in apps, in phone calls and just not noticing our surroundings. So try that next time. Look up, 
What colour is the sky? What colour are the leaves on the ground? What buildings are around you? Just take the time to tune in. Notice these things and be grateful for them. Okay. This leads me nicely to my next tip, which is about gratitude or what I like to call the attitude of gratitude. For me, mindfulness and gratitude are very closely linked. We spend so much of our time running from A to B, from one to-do list to another, and never accepting ourselves as having done enough. When in fact, we have so much we can be grateful for in life, within and outside of ourselves. As I always say, it's about progress and not perfection. And of course, I'm guilty too of being absorbed in the little hassles of daily life and forgetting about the bigger picture, until I bring my mind back to gratitude. So the next time you're stressing out because you've missed the bus, the train or a deadline, remember the things in your life that you can be grateful for. The really basic things, a voice that allows you to speak, a healthy body to get you from A to B, friends, family, your boyfriend, girlfriend or pet, hobbies that inspire you, a job you love. Smile for the things you have and your load really does become lighter straight away. Remember, we often carry mountains that we were only meant to climb. It's one of my favourite quotes. Okay, bear with me. The next little tool in my toolkit is called spotting your self-talk and I'll keep it short and sweet. The next time you're at peak stress, take a second to listen how you're talking to yourself. Is that voice kind? Positive? Negative? Finally, my favorite question to bring myself back to reality. Would you talk to your best friend that way? Probably not. We, especially Irish people, are really terrible for tearing ourselves down, especially when we're stressed. It's priority number one to remember that you control your mindset, your perspective and how you talk to yourself and therefore you can change it. Try taking I can't out of your vocabulary. Whenever it pops into your head, replace it with what can I do? Yep, that does take time. It does take time to retrain your brain and your self-talk 100% but making a start is the hardest and most worthwhile part so get going today. Remember, would you talk to your best friend that way? If you wouldn't, don't say it to yourself. As I heard said recently, life's an adventure. You got this. Okay. Second last tip, exercise, working it out. So full disclosure, after the busy night shifts I used to do before I started my master's for the year, I used to hit the gym. First thing in the morning, I was so bad. I used to go spinning, sprints, weights, because I thought I was stress busting. Sounds logical, right? Wrong. Last year, after my night shifts ended in the morning, I started doing yoga at home for 30 minutes before bed or going for a short walk or a swim. And the difference was ridiculous. All my past self had been doing was adding more cortisol, our stress hormone, to a cortisol-filled night shift at work. I used to think it helped me sleep, but actually all it was really doing was leaving me more wired and more exhausted. Switching up my exercise on my weeks of night shifts to gentler forms did such wonders for my physical and mental health, and it was a lesson learned. So my message to you regarding exercise and stress busting is this. Find the type you enjoy, because that's what you're going to stick to. But when you're at the end of a stressful day or a stressful series of events, maybe think about the gentler types of activity. Taking a simple walk for 15 or 30 minutes or even 10 in the fresh air can make such a world of a difference to a busy, stressed out mind. And exercise has such a vast array of potential benefits for our health. For me, that's a tool in my stress toolkit that I will never do without. Okay, the final one. The final tool is don't skip on your social life. So as I said in my introduction, social well-being is a really, really key part of our health that we often forget to prioritize. When we're stressed, often all we want to do 
is be on her own, hide in the library, stay at work, get it done, or hide under a duvet and pretend our to-do list doesn't exist. But even in these busy, busy times, it is really important not to forget about the importance of seeing your friends and family and keeping up a social life. I'm not saying go out every night of the week. Clearly, that's counterproductive. But do take time to schedule little dates and catch-ups or visits to family and friends around your busy week because it's just such a lovely way to have things to look forward to, to vent or talk about something that's going on and maintain those close relationships. And actually, if you think about it, a problem shared is a problem halved. So sometimes just hashing that issue out with a family or a friend can give you a fresh perspective on a challenge. And that is my stress toolkit, guys. I really, really hope you found it helpful. My challenge to you would be this try picking one and if you're feeling more ambitious go for it two three whatever you want but often taking one change at a time is usually how we achieve these things best so try picking one area from my stress management toolkit try it out the next time you're feeling just that bit overwhelmed it might be box breathing it might be giving a stress diary a go this week or try just going for a short walk in the fresh air this evening after work you might be surprised just how much better you feel And finally, remember, you've got to find the toolkit that works for you, your life and your stressors. And you can do it. Spot that self-talk and know you've got the power to change it. I'd love to hear your feedback on this podcast episode, as always. If you haven't found my blog before, it is www.theirishbalance.com. All of my handles are at The Irish Balance on social media. And you guys know where the podcast is now. So pop me a comment, send me a DM an email, whatever suits you and anything you'd love to see me talk about in the podcast. I always love hearing your ideas too. So have a great week and hopefully you'll be the boss of your stress this week and I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Bye.